have to agree with what my husband said. We really don't have anything else to preach, praise the Lord, except what God says. Hallelujah. It has changed our lives wholeheartedly and completely. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we're so, so very grateful for your word. We esteem it highly. We prize it in our lives. We treasure it. It's precious to us, Father. You said that your words were a, a delight. They were sweet to the taste and that we could eat them. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We could take them into ourselves. And so, Father, we endeavor to do that today. We thank you for your help. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your revelation and your light that comes to us as the word is preached. We're so thankful that our lives can be changed forever by your word. And we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The word will change our lives. Glory to God. I know it's changed our lives. I know it's changed your lives. But um, it continues to change us. It continues to increase us. It continues to help us. That's why we meet every Sunday. That's why we come together and, and uh, spend time every day in the word on our own. Because it is our lifeline to the things of God, to the ways of God, to the help of God. Glory to God. And so uh, we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not, uh, we're not throwing, throwing the Bible in the back seat until next Sunday, but we're, we're keeping hold of the word of God. Praise the Lord uh, to, to be able to, uh, to go further with him. Praise his name. Glory to God. Well, um, if you would, this morning, let's turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 26. I had a certain passage of scripture on my heart. I believe God will help us. Praise the Lord. Um, before, before we look at Deuteronomy 26, let's, let's just read a couple of verses in Psalm 105. Sorry about that. We'll start there. Psalm 105. It says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Hallelujah. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. I love that verse. Seek his presence continually. Can you do that? Yes. God, if you're born again, if you know the Lord, the Lord Jesus is your Savior, he, uh, the Spirit of God lives in you. Praise God. And you have the presence of God. You have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. But it's our job to be aware of it. It's our job to seek the Lord, His strength, seek His presence continually. What does that mean? You say, if He lives in me, He's continually with me. Yes, He is. But it's our job to pay attention to that. And not just live from natural moment to natural moment to natural moment. But it's our job to uh, be aware of the fact that he's in me. Yes. 
He's, he's in you. He's, he's with us. Glory to God. Every minute of every day. And our job is to seek him. Praise God. To pay attention to him. Glory to God. Um, we, we laugh sometimes. You know, both of my kids are away now at school and different things. And we laugh in our house. There's times where I might go off into another room or I might go outside and, and, and to one of my favorite spots when it's nice out finally to, to go pray. And he might want to ask me something or he, he might uh, need to talk to me about something. And he has to sometimes go seeking. <laughs> He, what, what does he have to do? He has to go looking for me because he doesn't know where I went. And he fi he'll finally get to the room where I'm at because I move around. I, I don't always stay in the same spot all the time. And, and he'll finally, you know, he'll come outside and I'm in my Adirondack chair or whatever. And he'll be like, there you are. I found you. I found you. What is he doing? He's seeking me. He's looking for me. Glory to God. And we are, I understand that he lives on the inside of us, but when he says we're to seek him, it means we are to look to him. We are to uh, put our attention on him, his presence, his ways, his word, his things. We are to be seeking him. Glory to God. And uh, if we will seek his presence continually, great things will happen. And it says in verse 5 here, remember the wondrous works that he has done. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. His miracles... His miracles, His miracles, glory to God. Remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles and the judgments He's uttered. And if you go on and read throughout this uh, psalm, it, it lists out, it, it uh, recounts it, it remembers all the things that God, well not all the things, that's hardly possible to record, but many of the things that God did for the children of Israel how he brought them out of Egypt, how, um, how he turned Pharaoh, uh, you know, how, how the, the judgments that came upon the, the nation of Egypt because of the children of Israel, because he wouldn't let them go, how he brought them out, how, he, how the miracle of parting the Red Sea, how he fed them in the wilderness, how he brought water out of the rock, how he protected them supernaturally. Remember his wondrous works. His miracles, his miracles, his miracles. Glory to God. Has God ever done some wondrous works for you? Everybody, you should be able to shake your head. Has he redeemed you? Glory to God. Are you saved? Do you know, do you know him? Are you headed to heaven that he's done something for you? Glory to God. He's done a wondrous work. If that's the only work you know of that he's done in your life, it's one thing to be thankful for. Glory to God. It's a wondrous work. It's a miracle. Glory to God that he was able to, with, one, with his one son, with his, the precious blood of, of Jesus, he was able to provide salvation for the entire earth. Glory to God for all humanity. Praise God. Remember his wondrous works that he has done, his miracles, his miracles, his miracles. So with that in mind, let's turn to Deuteronomy 26. Praise the Lord. I referred to this passage last week, I believe, when we were receiving the offering, but we didn't actually turn here, and it's been on my heart all week since we mentioned it. So um, 
I just wanted to, uh, to, to read, we're going to read quite uh, the first few verses of this, but before we do, want to let you know, in Deuteronomy here, this is Moses talking to the children of Israel uh, before they entered in to the promised land, the land of Canaan. Now, over and over and over, after the children came out of Egypt, they were in the wilderness, over and over again, the Lord told them, I have a land for you. It's a good land. It's a good land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. What does that mean? There's sustenance there. There's provision there. There's good things for you. He said there's cities there that you're, you're not going to have to build. There's houses there that you're not going to have to, uh, to, to build, but you're just going to move right in. Praise the Lord. There's good things there. There's going to be great things, right? And so uh, they, we all know that the children of Israel, they kind of messed up. And when they got close to the promised land, they sent some spies out into that land. And when the spies came back, uh, there were 12 spies. Ten of them came back and said, well, it is a good land, but there's a problem with it. There's giants. There's, there's people that are way stronger than we are. There's fortified cities that we're not going to be able to penetrate. And I, I don't see how we're going to take the land. Two of the spies that went through there, two of the 12 men, said, no, 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 what God said is true. It's a good land. It's flowing with milk and honey. And they brought back some of the fruit that was in that land. And the Bible says it took two men with a pole to carry one cluster of grapes. I've never seen that before, have you? <laughs> I've never seen a cluster of grapes that large that it took two people to carry. I mean, there's, the guys are like, it was Joshua and Caleb. They're like, this is a great land. Yeah, yeah, there's some big guys there, but we can take them. Why? Because God already told us that land is ours. It belongs to us. And therefore, if God said it, we're well able to take it. And yes, the cities are fortified, but that's what he told us. We get to live in those once we take the land. And so we know what happened. The, the Israelites, they sided with the ten. The report of the ten that said, although it's good, we're, we can't do it. And here's the thing. Whenever God deals with us for something in our future, something that he wants us to have, something that he wants us to do in ourselves, we wouldn't be able to do it. We wouldn't be able to take it. We wouldn't be able to have it in our own strength. But if God says, this is what I want for you, this is what I have for you. I mean, when he called us into the ministry, we can't do that on our own. But with God... All things are possible. Glory to God. In him, we can do all things. Glory to God. Because he strengthens us. And so we have an example of the ten that came back and all they could see was the natural. All they could see was, yeah, it's a nice land. It really is. It's good real estate. Waterfront property. It's, it's nice. But... There's problems because the people are so big. There's so many of them. And Joshua and Caleb are like, 
looking from God's perspective. If God said we could have it, then it's ours. He said it was good, and it's good. He said that those cities were for our living, so let's go take it. And so because the whole nation as a whole decided to go with the report of the ten, they wound up stuck in the desert for 40 years. God said, until all of you who are old enough to make the right decision and still made the wrong one die off, you're not going to go into that land. It's what I have for you, but you're not going to go in because you wouldn't believe me. You wouldn't believe my report. You wouldn't believe. What were they doing? They were looking at things from their own natural perspective, and they were not believing that God was big enough to take care of them. He was, they were believing that God couldn't possibly strengthen them and give them the might that they needed to take that land. Mm-hmm. They were discounting the power of God. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't ever want to be doing that. If God calls me to something and it looks impossible to me, I'm going to gulp, swallow real hard, and say, okay, Lord, it looks impossible to me, but if you've called me to it, I know I can do it because you're my God. You strengthen me. You, you help me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so Moses here, we finally get, it's almost time for them to enter into the land. There's only a few more people to die off. <laughs> and Moses being one of them. And then they're getting ready. Joshua and his crew are getting ready to go into the land. And Moses is giving them some last minute instructions. He's rehearsing and going over. And you'll see in Deuteronomy, in, in, in the different books, uh, of the first five books there of the Old Testament, he goes over and over and over and over how they're to behave, what they're to do, how they're to act. Why? Because he knows he's not going to be with them and I need you to remember some things. So that's all that said is to get us ready to read Deuteronomy 26. Praise God. And this is talking about what the people are to do once they enter the land. Praise God. It says in verse 1, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go... Um, you should go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make response before the Lord. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there he became a nation great, mighty, and populous. 
And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. What are they doing? They're remembering his miracles. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you, the Levite, the foreigner who is among you. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So uh, you might think this is quite a specific instruction. Yeah, actually it is quite specific. But um, as we said, Moses was, was uh, trying to make sure that everyone would remember exactly what they were to do. And so he was very specific. What are we seeing here? We're seeing an example of someone bringing their, uh, their tithe, the first, their offering to the Lord. But he, it's so interesting to me that he doesn't say, when you get to the land, don't forget to tithe. When you get into the land, don't forget to give your offerings. No, he was extremely specific about how they were to bring them. He said, I want you to go out, but when you first get the first crops that come up, the first part, portion of, of the goodness of this land comes, I want you to go get the first of everything that comes in and put it in a basket. I almost brought myself a basket full of groceries today, but I didn't. So pretend I have a basket. See, they put it all in a basket. Now, um, you know, think of, you know, if you had, well, out in California and Florida, they have orange trees and when we go driving out there, you know, you see groves and groves of orange trees and grapefruit and avocado. So the first that comes up off of all these trees, they're supposed to go out and gather, put it in a basket. I imagine some of them had some pretty big baskets. Maybe the whole family had to help carry in all of this, this produce that they had, the first of everything that came. Maybe they brought the first of the, you know, the... the the calves and the, 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 the cows, the goats, the different, different, land, you know, the different livestock that they had. They might bring the, the baby, the first baby that they get in the spring or something like that. They're bringing the first. Why? They're to honor the Lord. They want to remember, this is the land you gave us. This is what you gave us, and we want to honor you with it. But it's so interesting to me that Moses didn't just say, put it in a basket and bring it to the priest. You're done. Check it off your list. And as, as New Testament believers, I want us to realize when we bring our offering to the Lord, our tithe, our offering, when we do bring anything to him to honor him, it's not just put it in the bucket, check it off your list, I'm done. There's more to it. There's more to it. Praise the Lord. And so they had to put it in the basket. They had to bring it to the priest. And they had to say something. It says in uh, 
Verse 3, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. That's what they were supposed to say when they gave the basket to the priest. And it says the priest takes it, he lays it before the altar, uh, he lays it on the altar of the Lord. But I love verse 5. Verse 5 says this, And you shall make response before the Lord. I know there are times where people come into this church and it seems to be that some of the... uh, it's a little different than some other churches that they've been to because people are making response. Say praise and worship. There's people that might say, hallelujah. When we're preaching the word or saying something that's good, someone might say, amen. That's right. Why? Because we have learned this verse. We are to make response. What does that mean? We're not just bringing an offering and dumping it in the bucket. We are making response. And the response was this. Remember the works, the wonders, the miracles that he's done for you. Remember where you were. Remember where your grandma was. Remember where your great-grandfather was and where God's brought you today. Remember, make response. Make response. This says, my father was a wandering Aramean. (laughs) Sometimes I'll just say that, you know, my father wasn't, praise the Lord. But what are they doing? They're remembering how things started with Abraham having to go out and God leading him out. And he left not knowing where he was going. And he wandered and and eventually through the generations they wound up in Egypt. But then uh, oppression came. And for 400 years they were oppressed. But God brought them out of that oppression. Glory to God. And Moses is telling them, when you bring your first, when you bring the best of the land, don't forget the miracles he's done for you. How are you not going to forget? You make response. You make a response. You say, thank you, Father. Oh, I'm so grateful. I remember. You're going to remember and recount the things he's done for you in the past. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Make response before the Lord. And then it says, after you've done that, after you've remembered and recounted the things he's done for you, you're going to sit down... um, You're going to sit down your basket before the Lord. In verse 10 it says, and you're going to worship before the Lord. That literally means bow down. Bow down before the Lord. Glory to God. And you're going to rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. Now I'll remind you, when they came into this land, there were people in the land there were enemies there were there were people that lived there that didn't want to move out weren't there didn't they have to fight their way in didn't they have to take each city that they moved into and so um notice in here it doesn't mention the enemies that are in the land it doesn't mention the fight that they had to to uh to have to get there It just talks about the good, the good, the good. Praise the Lord. So many people, I mean, they spend their time saying, Lord, it's been so hard. 
It's been so hard today. This week's been so hard. This year's been so bad. It's been so hard. Yeah, you, you have given me strength, but it's just been, can you just make it a little easier? Can, can, that's not what Moses said. Moses didn't say when you bring your offering, remember all the bad things that have happened to you. Remember what's been stolen and, and, and what's been destroyed out of your life. No, he didn't say that. Recount all the good. Remember the good. And you're going to rejoice. You're going to be glad in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So when, uh, and, and for the New Testament believer, this is our lifestyle. This isn't just at offering time. Our lifestyle is to remember his wondrous Amen. works. The miracles, the miracles, the miracles. Jesus told the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, he told her that, those who come, that if we're going to worship God, we need to worship him in spirit and in truth. So the times now come to worship him differently than you used to worship him. You used to, you got, uh, your Samaritans you used to go to that mountain. We, the Israelites, we used to go to this mountain. We had to go to a specific spot and worship. We worship differently now. We worship differently now as New Testament believers. And how, how are we supposed to worship? We are continually remembering the good that he's done. Continually remembering that which he's done in the past and that which he's going to do in the future. We're continually remembering his word. Glory to God. As we bring our offering to him, whatever it is, even if it's just the fruit of our lips giving praise to his name, we're recounting and remembering all the good that he's done. Hallelujah. Remember his wondrous works, his miracles. So this week, as, as I was uh, meditating on this, and, and, you know, what happens in life is we get caught up with the natural circumstances. And, you know, you see the pile of bills. You, see, you feel the symptoms that hit your body. You see the problems at work. You see, you know, there, there's different things that you see. And if we're not careful, we start to fixate or we focus on the problems. But that's not what God said to do. We're supposed to, uh, uh, the Bible says that we're to be anxious for nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, let our requests be made note unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That means when problems come up, we're just supposed to let God know about them. Oh, Father, there, there's another problem. Thank you for helping me handle that. Glory to God. And then we're supposed to walk in the peace. How do we do that? Philippians tells us in, in uh, Philippians 4.8, he continues on in that verses. He says, um, so you're supposed to think on certain things. Can you pull that up, Philippians 4.8? We just quoted 6 and 7. Hallelujah. Philippians 4.8 says that we are not to focus on uh, the problems, but it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Think about good things. Glory to God. What's good? Remember his wondrous works. 
Remember the miracles. If all you know is that Jesus redeemed you, focus on that. Glory to God. Father, I'm so glad I'm redeemed. I'm so glad that I've, um, I'm headed to heaven. Glory to God when I die. I'm so thankful that you've changed my life and you filled my heart with joy and peace. I'm so grateful for the peace of God which passes all understanding and that I can cast every care upon you because you care for me. Glory to God. Think on the things that are pure and lovely and just. What are those? Those are the things that God's done for you, the things that God's doing for you, the things that he's provided for you. Glory to God. I was uh, looking at a We've got uh, some certain deadlines coming up, and in the natural, some things look just impossible to get done. That there's no way we could work hard enough or fast enough in the time allotted to get to uh, to get what we need to get. Praise the Lord! What needs to come in and and what needs to happen by a certain deadline, but fixating on the deadline, fixating on the problem is not going to help me. Glory to God. It's not going to put God on the scene. But doing this verse, remembering what's true and what's, what's honorable and what's just and pure, remembering what Psalms 105 said, remembering his wondrous works, his miracles. And so this week I started saying, Father, I remember when we moved to New York to Pioneer Church, I remember that we lived, um, we lived with my, my dad for that time for three years. We moved in with him so we could put all the money that was coming in into the church and help the church get going. This isn't the first church we pioneered, in case you didn't know. We're used to starting with a few and building it up. Glory to God. It always builds up. The people always come. Glory. But... Um, we started with nothing up there. Glory to God. And we moved in with my dad. And it looked impossible that we would ever have enough income to move out. Once we moved in, he was gracious. He was taking care of us. My, my natural father, who we moved in with, um, he enjoyed our company. But after three years, it's time to move out. It's time to, to let your family be their family, your family, you know. And it looked impossible. It looked impossible, but God was dealing with us. Step out, step out. It's time to go. It's time to go. And so we found ourselves a, a place to rent, a duplex. And we took a step of faith. And it didn't look like there was going to be finances every month to pay for it. But when we moved in and took that step of faith, every month, he was faithful. Every month it came in. What am I doing? I'm remembering his wondrous works. Every month he was faithful. Every time the deadline was there, it was paid. Every time we needed it, it came in. Father, thank you for, for how you provided for us. And so this week I've just been going over that. But it didn't stop there because we were in the duplex for about six months and we got new neighbors. And those neighbors were, uh, well, let's just say that the, the, the gal, the teenage gal that was living there wasn't living for God. Let's just say that. And we had little kids at the time who were very impressionable. And it was time, it was time to believe God for something different. And so that looked impossible. God, yeah, God's provided for us every month for this, for this rental but now what? Would God be able to get us a house? Oh, come on now. 
Would God be able to provide a home for us to live in? It looked impossible. But when it looked impossible, you know what we did? We went through a period of a couple months when we decided, okay, this can't be forever. You know, this is good for right now, but there's something else that God has for us. We spent a period of a couple months. I don't know why we did this, but we would get the kids in bed. They were younger. You know, um, Anna was in preschool. My son was in kindergarten our first grade, and so, so we would get the kids to bed. Of course, they went to bed early, and we'd, uh, sometimes we'd play a game of Scrabble. I don't know why. We don't really play Scrabble that much anymore, but at that period, we'd play a little game of Scrabble, and then we would put that away, and we would pray. And we would spend an hour or more every night just ministering to the Lord, worshiping God, thanking him for his goodness, recounting all the things. Father, it looked impossible for us to move into this little duplex. It looked like you would never, um, that it would, the provision would never be there. But when we stepped out in faith, it was there. And we're so grateful. We're so thankful. Glory to God. And it wasn't long at all after we started uh, spending some time just worshiping him, thanking him for all the good that he had done, that he provided a way for us to move into a house that was completely paid for. Completely, completely paid for. Completely. Oh, I'm sorry. Amen. Completely Amen. paid for. That's amazing. That's God. We couldn't have done that ourselves. That was God. And, you know, you just sit there and weep at how good he is. And when it looked absolutely impossible, he made a way. The, the, the Bible tells us that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. That he'll put rivers where the desert was. Streams and pools where there was just parched land before. When the children of Israel got to the Red Sea, they looked to one side, there was a mountain. They looked to the other side, there was a mountain. They looked ahead, there was an ocean. They looked behind, and there was an army charging at them. And all of their firstborn children had just died. They weren't going to be merciful when they got there. It looked impossible. Guys, we're talking about remembering the, uh, the goodness of God, the miracles of God, remembering what he's done for you in the past. Glory to God. When those folks in Deuteronomy, when they came and brought the first part of the land, they were supposed to say, this, I am in the land that the Lord God told me about. And this is the first. And I'm here to remember all that God's done. My father was a wandering American. Look at what he was. He went from tent to tent to tent to place to place, just wandering around. And then God brought us to Egypt, and we became a numerous people. What are they doing? They're remembering things that looked impossible, but God brought them out every time. God brought them out every time. God brought them out every time. And so here we are in this duplex. It looks impossible that we could ever move into anything better. And in a moment of time, in just a few weeks' time, um, it, it just seemed like a suddenly to us. God brought us into a home that was already paid for. All we were paying for was utilities. 
mind blown. That's miraculous. And then, after that, you know, it was a beautiful little house and we spent some time fixing it up and we loved that house, but God started dealing with us a few years later when our kids got older and there was one bathroom upstairs and everybody was trying to take a shower in the morning at the same time. And we're like, okay, it might be time to move out, get something a little bit bigger. We love it here, but you know, God started dealing with us and we start saying, okay, Lord, if there's something better for us, we're open to it, whatever you have. And then he shows us this house that I always call my dream house. It was so beautiful. It was just the way I would have uh, designed something if I knew how to design, which I don't. Praise the Lord. But I mean, it was just so perfect for, for me and what I liked. And we walked into it. The only problem was it was a little more expensive than, than uh, we could possibly ever afford on our own. Like by twice the price. But with God, all things are possible. Remember the wondrous works. And so we saw this house. We went to service that night. We had a Saturday night service um, at that time and a Sunday morning service. We went to the Saturday night service. And in a blink of an eye as we're worshiping God, my husband comes up and actually prophesies to me about that house. Says uh, He didn't mention the house, but he said that that which you know, you, you've seen, it can be yours. And then he said in a moment of time, the Spirit of God revealed to him how to do it financially so that we could move in. And in just a short amount of time, we had my dream, I mean, a dream house. Beautiful house. Beautiful, I mean, room for everybody and room to spare. Glory to God. A spot for everything, an office for the church. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Again, mind blown. Why? Because with us, it was impossible, 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 but God did it anyway because he's that good. Remember what he's done for you in the past. And you might say, well, he hasn't done things like that for me. Yes, he has. It may not be with houses, but if you will start remembering even the little things, like I said, he redeemed you he redeemed me. He redeemed me. I don't have to go to hell. And he gave me his word so that I can teach others. I can learn how to live myself, but I can teach others that they don't have to go to hell. They can go to heaven. And they can live victorious here on this earth if they'll learn this word. Oh my goodness, glory to God. The Bible says we are to remember his wondrous works, his miracles, his miracles, his miracles, his miracles. I just talked about houses because that's what, I, you know, we were, were facing this deadline and, you know, your natural mind wants to fixate on what needs to come in for that deadline. But all I need to do is remember what he's done in the past. It seemed impossible, but he made a way. It seemed impossible, but he made a way. It seemed impossible, but it, we made a way. It was completely paid for. It was taken care of. He made a way. He made a way. He made a way. Oh, over and over and over and over again. 
So that's what they're saying. When we come to the Lord with our offering, even if it's just for praise and worship on a Sunday morning, when we come to him, we are to be remembering what he's done for us in the past. And we are to make response. We are to make a response. And then it says you bring that offering before the Lord and you worship him for his goodness, for all that he's done for you. And you rejoice in all the good, all the good, glory to God. Why? Because there's so much good that he's already done and so much more that he's going to do. So when I look at this deadline that's up ahead, I can say, my God is faithful. He's been faithful time and time and time and time and time again. And he will not fail us now, glory to God, what are you doing? You're building up your arsenal to talk to that mountain. Glory to God. You can't, you can't make me worry about that. I'm not, I can't worry about that. Why? Because God's already taken care of it. God, God's done it so many times in the past. You understand? I, praise the Lord. It's exciting to me. Some of you are completely stone-faced. Glory to God. But it is... So wonderful to watch God work. If you want him to be a miracle-working God in your future, in your present, remember the miracles he's done in your past. Rejoice in all the good. Glory to God. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? He has done so much. I encourage you. I mean, we couldn't in one service talk about all that God's done for us and how he's come through. I mean, I didn't even mention the times, you know, where sickness or disease had tried to come into our lives and God brought us out. God healed us, glory to God. There, there was a time where uh, they told my husband he might never, not ever get out of bed again. I had two babies. Well, actually, one baby and one in my belly when we were getting that diagnosis. And the doctor said, it's just gonna be this way. It's not that way, praise God. Hallelujah, why? Because God's a healer. Hallelujah. Remember what, remember what he's done for you in the past. Glory to God. Can you remember one thing, two things, three things that God's done for you? Hallelujah. Can you? Thank him for it this week. Thank him for it this week. And I might encourage you, as he does things for you, write them down. Get yourself a book, a miracle book, a notebook. Just write down. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be a house paid for. It can be, you know, it can be somebody bought me a cup of coffee. Whatever it is, you know, remember and pay attention to what God's doing for you. Thank him for it. Glory to God. And it will make the future problems look so small. So small. Because they are. Glory to God. Father, we're so grateful. Why don't you tell him today how grateful you are for what he's done for you. Father, thank you. We make response to you. We lift up our voice. We rejoice in all the good that you've done. You've been so faithful. You've been so faithful to us. You've brought us out of everything that we've ever found ourselves in. We're so grateful, Lord, for all the good that you've provided for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, your homework this week is to do just that.
continue to thank him. Glory to God. Make a list if you need to. The problems ahead are nothing compared to how God uh, has done for you in the past. He will do it again and again and again. He will provide. He will heal. He will take care. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. I hope that helps you this morning. It helps me. Uh, You are dismissed. Glory to God.